This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. How's it? Welcome to the debut of Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show about movies. I'm Alex McCauley, and I'm joined by Max Fosberg and Grant Colombini for this podcast. It'll be our mission over the next hour to guide you through the world of film and movie history, with this week's focus on our favorite films that we've watched during quarantine. We had a blast recording this and look forward to bringing you future content so without further ado, let's jump right into our conversation. So we're going to go around the table. Max, I'm going to kick it to you. You can start. We'll start with number five. Number five. Yeah. Your okay, fi- so your my fifth, fifth yes. uh, is, is a movie from 1995 that I'd never seen. I had never seen it. It uh, stars Nicolas Cage and Elizabeth Shue. Leaving Las Vegas. Don't you like me, Ben? Sarah, what you don't understand is no. See, no. What? You can never, never ask me to stop drinking. Do you understand? Yeah, okay. Great movie, yes. It okay. is the most depressing. Okay, this 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 should Sad. be said. We have not shared these lists. Yes, yeah. we have not yeah. shared yeah. these yeah. lists. We don't know what we're no. all saying. Okay, so keep going. Keep so yeah, going. Nick Nick Cage wins uh, wins the Oscar for for best actor this yep. year because of this performance. He's a suicidal alcoholic, loses his job in Hollywood, decides he's going to move to Las Vegas, drink himself to death. In, in the span of four weeks. Yep, on a chase lounge. On a chase, <laughs> on a chase lounge. While he's there, he meets this prostitute who's like kind of getting out of underneath the thumb of her pimp and who like takes a real liking to him and they build a relationship and she pretty much just watches him like die. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. This movie came out in 95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just a just a harrowing, 
harrowing movie, and the performance by Nick Cage. You know, everyone jokes about him now. He's just the butt of every acting joke. But he won Best Actor for a reason for this film. So this is this is part of what I'm really excited um, to do on this podcast, is to bring to light kind of some of the forgotten performances. I mean, every episode is going to have a theme, and it's most likely going to be either a top five, a Mountain Rushmore, an actor's best, or a director's best. Mm-hmm. Every now and then a screenwriter, we love writing good scripts. I mean, who knows? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, well, that might work its way in there. But what you're saying about Nicolas Cage is 100% true. This guy, for two or three years, was thought of as being the the next Al Pacino almost. Right. Where, like, put this guy in any movie, he can greenlight it. Yeah, it, uh, definitely. Uh, and this movie proved it. One best actor. Yeah, one best actor. And again, going into it, I, I had always thought, somehow I had not, I didn't know what the movie was about at all. I always thought it was some sort of weird, like, black comedy. That, like, Nick Cage was just, like, really charming and funny in. Which it's, it is, it is, but it's not in the sense of what we think of black comedy as in 2020. Sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it definitely, like, made me feel on different levels. And it was, it's 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 a tough watch. It's definitely, it is a, it is a very ugly movie at times. Um, but it's, it makes you not want to drink ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good to watch every once in a while. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> All right, Grant, what's your uh, what's your number five? My number five um, was one that I saw, and I I counted this even though it was a little loose, but it was just one thing that I have I loved, and I saw it like right before the COVID hit and the lockdown hit. But it was just something that's just been on my mind since was uh, Lee Wannell's and The Invisible Man. You went to Adrian's house? Yes. You just walked right in? I found something that can prove what I'm experiencing. That can prove that Adrian is stalking me. What is that? It's some kind of suit that Adrian has built. And it has cameras and it somehow... I remember watching Us for the first time in the theaters and seeing just that one scene of Elizabeth Moss doing that lipstick in the mirror and I out loud in the theater was like she needs her own horror movie like she it would be so good it was a fantastic trailer and, and I'm, I'm a big Lee Whannell fan teaser yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I loved the Saw, the, him writing the Saw movies and acting in that I loved everything he's done with James Wan Upgrade is one of my favorite movies of like the last 10 years and so The Invisible Man was just one of those movies of taking the horror and thriller genre and bringing it to the new age and bringing it to a realism sense and just seeing it and like watching those scenes of of nothing there are scenes of nothing and then like 10 seconds later like oh he was there that was him that you know like and so there's a lot of points in that movie that i was just blown away by of kind of taking nothing and making it scary like it was, it was kind of like a weird kind of thriller feeling it's one of the best thrillers i've seen in a long time and uh yeah i just love everything lee wannell has been doing every actor in that um 
Oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. I'm going to look it up here in a little bit. But it's the guy that plays the uh, her best friend that's the social worker. Like, he does a phenomenal job of dealing with all that. Storm Reed, the younger girl, like, younger actors actually being good is right. a rare it's, thing. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Horror movies have a way of bringing out the absolutely. best of ch- uh, child actors. But, yeah. yeah. The It movies are a great yeah. example of that. <laughs> right. but yeah, yeah. The, yeah, The Invisible Man was one of those movies where I've only seen it once. But it's something I've thought about the entire time in lockdown, especially when you're isolated by yourself. Things right, happen around right. you and you're kind of like, I remember going home and like walking through my apartment and my broom fell down. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, so. Max, you saw that film, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's one of the better horror films to come out in the last couple of years. I mean, Blumhouse obviously right. produces great stuff. Insane. A lot of great, uh, like, little movie tricks that they did in it. Uh, if you ever catch uh, the director on a, uh, on a podcast, he, he shares some of those tricks. And, um, yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent film. And Elizabeth Moss just kills it. Knocked it I mean, out of the park. Just, she loves being, like, just a manic, like, out-of-her-mind person. She's <laughs> so good at it. <laughs> Get used to seeing Elizabeth Moss. Oh, and, yeah. And, oh, yeah. TV and films for the yeah. next 30 years. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's around to stay for sure. Um, okay, well, sticking with the horror genre, um, I'm going to talk about the fifth best movie that I've seen in lockdown. It's called... Miss Turner, Turner, where's Mr. Turner? It is so nice out today. A 2019 film that debuted at the Brooklyn Film Festival and immediately had its rights sh- uh, sold to Shudder, okay. the, the horror, right. uh, uh, the horror streaming service Shudder, and they decided to hold on to this kind of entity. Not that it was really heavily marketed or publicized or anything like that, um, but until July of 2020. So this film just came out within the last month. Um, it's the directorial debut from a guy named uh, Jeffrey A. Brown. Stars Liana Librierto and Noah Lagos, two unknowns. But at the same time, this is exactly what I want in a directorial uh, debut from a guy who's trying to make kind of an experimental horror film. Yeah. Basically what this movie is, is that it is a body horror film which is a genre that I love love, yeah. love going back to the likes of Cronenberg um, Carpenter even has dabbled in it uh, but it's a, a body horror film disguised as kind of a, a romantic getaway sort of uh, you know teen teen uh, thriller okay. I, won't, I won't call it a horror film because it's basically just a getaway where things go wrong. But uh, this movie is very smart. It has a, a very smart uh, 
theme that happens to go along with the market release right now where you know shutter couldn't have predicted this when they bought the movie back in october of last year but it has a, a getaway feeling where you want to escape but what you're trying to escape is the same thing that's kind of holding you down trapping you which is i feel like the, uh, a tough thing that we're all having to deal with right now during COVID 19 um there's a lot of puzzle pieces that you have to put together during this movie and it's got a great runtime. it's under 90 minutes so it's Perfect. an hour and a half yeah there's not a whole lot that you have to put together but there are pieces that are cool. left out there and and it's a very smart film one one of your students uh or one of the students in the in the film uh, who plays uh, the the lead female character? She's going for like her masters, and so it's just there's a few exposition scenes where she's kind of detailing things. But what what she's talking about is very credible. You you believe that you know what this girl is hypothesizing could potentially happen, okay. and and not to say that what she says are the puzzle pieces that you need to connect, but it gives you just enough. To where it it still the movie still leads you to make up your own opinion at the end, and I love movies like that. Um, and then yeah, just like I said, body horror can't go wrong. <laughs> you can't go wrong with body horror. Right on. Uh, my number four uh, is American Factory. It's a documentary. Okay. Uh, on Netflix uh, about a Chinese billionaire who comes in to Ohio. And buys an old GM uh, plant and turns it into this Chinese. Um, they're building like I think it's plastics for cars, and so it's it's literally just like it, it just shows a very uh, the difference between the Chinese work life and the American work life because he hires Americans at first to run this plant, but like <laughs> everything just goes wrong with. Uh, the difference between how he expects them to work and how Americans think they should be working. Uh, very interesting film. One one uh, best doc at the 2019 Oscars. Okay. Um, it's on Netflix. Free to watch. Uh, I, I would check it out. It's very so almost engaging. like a. Is there an undercover boss aspect to it? Almost kind of. Is that what it? Uh, no, like they or? they know that they they're know? being filmed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the Chinese are just very, they're just very upfront about it and like different okay. business ethics, just totally different business ethics. Yeah. Gotcha. Super interesting to watch. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I, I highly recommend it. Um, number, Green, four, number four, number four for me was something that we talked uh, about last week in our meeting, um, a movie I discovered on Netflix called The Invitation. <laughs> Where's Choi? Excuse me? Where's Choi? I mean, where the fuck is Choi? What are you talking about, Will? I just got a message from him. He said he was here, that he had gotten there at 7. What? He said he was here. Eden, is that true? I haven't seen Choi tonight. Edie, where is he? Will, stop, please. No, just... no. I just, I just got a message from him. He said he was here. He made the call from right outside. We haven't seen him. Don't fucking lie to me. He called from right outside your front door. I mean, David is not lying to you. Choi never got here. Maybe he turned around, man. Look, he might have forgotten something. Well, never know. Why is everyone acting so fucking polite? Uh, ah, starring yes. uh, Logan Marshall Green, uh, Michael Hoosman, who is Dario Naharis in uh, Game of Thrones, 
uh, directed by Karen Kusama, who did Aeon Flux, which is a awesome action movie. Another movie sure I highly yep. recommend. Yeah. Um, but cool movie about uh, dealing with grief while also a psychological thriller about a guy who has been divorced for several years from his wife. Her, his ex-wife and her new husband go MIA for two years. They come back, invite their close friends to a dinner party, and you find out they got divorced because a child died, but then there's definitely like, oh, they're definitely part of a cult, and they're trying to get all their friends to join the cult. And then it's just, it's cool because it's from the perspective of the main character, Logan Marshall Green, and him thinking that everything is wrong while all of his friends are trying to convince him that everything's okay. Right. He the The character you're talking about Everyone in the movie makes him out to be the antagonist right. when you know he's the protagonist. Because you're seeing it from his point of view and Correct. you feel the same way. You right. know things are acting weird and yes. people are like, oh, dude, it, this is just how you are. Because Calm down. Be. Yeah. Don't tell me to calm down. Yeah. yeah. And then it's, it's, one of those, uh, it's one of those movies that, like, the movie's great. It's a little bit long. You know, obviously it's a, it's a suspenseful thriller. A very, it's a slow burn. It's, it's a slow burn. It's a very emotional, too. Like, if you're dealing with grief and any sense like it's definitely gonna hit some heartstrings but then it has one of those like there's a moment like two-thirds in the way of the movie that then the very last scene like goes back to that and you just have one of those like oh shit hands on your head you're like and now that's all i can think about for the next two days yeah so it, it, great payoff a, a good movie but definitely uh like how you said a slow burn uh, to get through but the acting is just phenomenal uh, with everyone across the, the board the acting in that film is phenomenal you have a bunch of great uh bit parts it's yeah a, it's a great movie for bit characters small where... moments that add add and add uh, like right. every little person that right. comes through it just it creates more of the atmosphere of the uneasiness of yeah. this weird I, dinner party thick, right. thick atmosphere yeah I, I rather have a movie that has like 12 actors that all play a really important role right. than like 35 actors and, and three, three of, them. of them play right. an important role yeah right. every single actor in this film plays an important role right the it's a great movie house the house in the movie is great. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. The, the, the setting and everything, yeah. the L.A. Hills, yeah. especially with the in the payoff at the end, mm -hmm. because then kind of where your mind starts to go, right? Uh, based off of who these people might be that are involved in what what you've just seen transpire, right? Yeah, but uh, but to your point, every character, every actor has a purpose, has a moment in the movie that adds to what you feel throughout. Yes. Where there there yeah. is like. Shout out to my boy Cho. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like IMDb. I love that little thing they do where no small parts. Like that movie, there are no small parts. It's, it's right. an ensemble to get you where you end up. And it's a great ensemble. I, I love. That and movie. it's an all-in-one place movie too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really always really. Fun. Yeah, we love those. Yeah, we yeah. love those here. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I will then come to my number four. My number four is a movie that came out three years ago in 2017. Uh, it's called Logan Lucky. Yesterday as you were leaving the bar, you said the word cauliflower. That's right. I didn't. The last time you said that word to me, I ended up getting sent down for six months. It was juvie. I was 13. And you were supposed to be the lookout, now weren't you? Being that I was your kid brother, I let you lead me into trouble with all your crazy cauliflower plans. My life of crime is over. Yeah, it's, it's directed by Steven yeah, Soderbergh. Yeah, I had not seen Logan Lucky since uh, uh, COVID nineteen started, 
and I noticed that it was on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and so I decided to throw it on. Starts Channing Tatum, uh, Adam Driver, Daniel Craig, Riley Ke- Keenef, Keenoff, Keenef, Keenef. I believe it's something something along those lines. Uh, Seth MacFarlane, Hilary Swank, Katie Holmes, um, <laughs> Macon Blair, who's like one of my guys. I love him. He's in the Jeremy Sol uh, movies, which are like Green Room. And oh, yes. yeah, he's he's that guy in, yeah. in the green room in Blue Ruin, which mm-hmm. Max, I know mm-hmm. you love Blue, yep. Blue Ruin too, the main character in that. Um, I just, I love this movie. This was a movie that caught me by complete surprise. I had no idea that Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh, who's one of my new guys, uh, I had no idea that he had stopped making movies, had kind of retired from movies. And then after four years, comes back with this movie which is basically just Ocean's Eleven meets NASCAR. Yeah. And it's... It's, it's the best way to describe and, it. And it's so awesome. Like, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I know it's still on Prime. Go see it. The stakes are are almost as equal as Ocean's Eleven, but more fun. Where, yeah. like, in Ocean's Eleven, you didn't really know how serious you should take that movie. Where right. you, you almost thought, this is too good to be true, Right. Like Damon, Clooney, Pitt, someone, someone's gonna get caught. Someone's gonna get locked up. Some, someone might die. You don't, even though it was PG thirteen, it was so tough. You were, you, you, you didn't really know. Going into this movie, this movie, which is also PG thirteen, it comes in at a great like one hundred eighteen minutes, just under two hours. So you know they're not like stretching it out. They're not like you know placating you. They're not patronizing you. Thinking, oh, this is going to happen. Even though it's great. You don't see Hilary Swank's character until like an hour and 45 minutes into the movie. I honestly, just until this moment, forgot she was in that movie. <laughs> and she's great. She's great. Like, she's batting a thousand. Yeah. Just like hitting everything that's thrown her way. Um, but, yeah, I just, I love this. It's it's a great movie. Uh, it solidifies, I think, Channing Tatum as like a star. Somebody who oh, can, absolutely. Somebody who can carry a movie. Like, not that I wasn't a fan of, like, Magic Mike and some other things like that that he's been in. But it's another so, Soderbergh. It, it, which is another Soderbergh movie. Very interesting, right? Um, but it, it's just, it's cool to see, it's cool to see somebody who goes completely against type. Because in this movie, he's playing a, a redneck accent, like... Uh, you know, just spouting, just kind of redneck, just down, down on his luck guy who you're still really rooting for and who you can still kind of like sympathize with too. You don't think that he's like a piece of shit, which in a lot of these movies, <laughs> you know, there's hell or high water. There's a bunch of other movies that, you know, they kind of make you try to sympathize with the Texas boy or something like that. And you're like, yeah, well I'll do it for the movie. In this movie, you're like, Hey, it's Channing Tatum. I, I really like this guy, and so I think I think that we've just kind of started to scratch the surface on the kind of Patrick Swayze sort of Channing Tatum career that he could have, and so I think Soderbergh Soderbergh's ahead of his time here, uh, tapping into Channing and, Tatum, and I never really saw that before this movie. And give me Daniel Craig with a I was gonna say, with oh, a weird accent. I was gonna say time. one of the weirdest roles Daniel Craig has ever had, and it's one of his best. Like, not only not only it. the accent, but give me some uh, peroxide bleach blonde. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with I'm with the Daniel Absolutely. Craig character in this. Yes. 
Uh, so yeah, that's my number four, Max. Your number three. Number three uh, is the uh, the Andy Samberg vehicle, uh, Palm Springs. Okay, so oh, this is on. Just saw this the other day. So this is it. on my list as well, and it's also at number three. Wait, stop! There's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. Everyone, stand back! Absolutely love this. It was it was uh, funny, clean, crisp, uh, not long, uh, just a good time. To sit, you know, a good time on the couch. It takes the Groundhog Day premise, kind of turns it on its head, uh, which I like because it gives you the main character uh, who's been in this time time loop. He's not he's not getting into the time loop. He's just there and he's accepted it, um, which makes for some really great. Great stuff. Uh, well, and I so I don't want to start a podcast around Palm Springs, but <laughs> does that make him the lead character, or is uh, the Kristen, Christ, I, I, I Kristen think, Militali character? I think he is the lead character because because she goes away for a while. Correct. Yes. Right? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You see, you see her leave, and then him kind of. Redis like kind of it's almost like he's rethrown into it for the first time where all of a sudden he has something he likes it's taken away from him and then now nothing like it's all of a sudden he's thrown into a new world right the, the only the only uh, quarrel I have with this is that and not to spoil too much but he still never exhibits a real lust to break out of the time loop. She does, and of the course. movie the movie doesn't happen if she doesn't want to try to find that. No, absolutely. Right. But at the same he he would have just let her go sooner or later. He already yeah. talks about how yeah. you know not to spoil anything, but he's slept with her yeah. hundreds of times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those where it's not until he actually like falls for her because that, she follows that, him right into but, the time line. right and then it's one of those he's so used to this he it's it's the it's the question of fear of change like they like he hates it but then once the opportunity of oh you can leave is presented it's oh and that just sends him reeling back to where he tries to convince her to stay and then it turns into what actually happens and Max, you don't want to ruin too much, but Max, yeah, continue. Uh, Matt, also, you, you brought this up, so I'll let you talk. Talk to me about Andy Samberg in this movie. Tell me, tell me what you thought about him in this movie. I think he does a great job. Now, Grant, he is doing Andy Samberg. I mean, <laughs> he, I mean, he's doing the the goofy. I, like, I agree. Cool, I agree. But on charming dude. On, on on a more the, fr- the dance scene at the beginning while he's like moving things and oh, she's it's, like what it's... is happening it was my favorite part of the movie <laughs> like it was one of the best scenes agreed and because that's like classic Sandberg absolutely and, and so here's what I started thinking are we entering and, and so something that I wrote down while watching the movie honestly is that he was able to let go and just trusted somebody else to write his character and direct his character which for him I think that on his times in SNL, he was probably writing a lot of his own skits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in, in a movie like Hot Rod. Hot Rod, and the, Pop Star. You know, he's, it's, he's it's the writing, Island. It's him and his two best friends exactly. and they're writing what they know. And and this is almost like his his uh, first moment where he just says, 
somebody else take my talents and do what you will with them and I'm going to submit. And it's almost like a more adult Andy Samberg that I haven't seen before. Absolutely. And I think yeah. that that's really what what attracted me to the movie was because I didn't think that he was like going the extra mile to prove his own worth because it wasn't his script. He was just doing somebody else's material. Right. And I really found that uh, something that I could like come back to. Whereas if I ever thought something was like getting out of hand or he was being too over the top, I'm like, this isn't you though. This right, is, you're right. you're you're a vessel for this work, and you're doing a really good job. Yeah, and 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 uh, to the director's credit, whose also name is Max. Mm. Max, uh, Bar- Barbaco. Barbaco. Yeah, I think it's, it's his first first time directing yeah. a full yeah. length uh, yep. film, uh, and I, I think the aesthetic he creates. Uh, and I'm stealing this term, but it's very like Instagrammy, right? It really oh, sure. popped off the screen. The shots, like, the the shots, shots are fantastic. Yeah, just Absolutely. wonderful, and and really capture the whole uh, trapped in the desert. I was I was oh, just about to yeah. say that of like yeah. you never feel like you've gone outside of this resort that they're at, and mm-hmm. even if you do, you still feel like you're just down the road, even if right. they've gone miles. Right. Like it just has that whole like, like you need to put a trapped. bandana over your face or something. <laughs> you cannot yeah, escape yeah. this area, and I, I yeah. think. We, I think all three of us have been in the Palm Springs desert, mm-hmm. and so you've been to Coachella Valley, right? yeah, Grand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, like we know kind of <laughs> that, that area yeah, and absolutely. what it's like. And that film does a great job of yeah. kind of capturing that. The last thing I'll say about that movie that I fucking can't wait to see is it get a, a Golden Globe nomination for best comedy Absolutely. slash musical it because it's going to yeah. and and I just think that that's great I'm so, and I'm sorry any movie with J.K. Simmons sign me up oh the guy yeah. the guy is amazing he's great in he's that. great oh, thank you for bringing small, him up yeah, yeah. like yeah. Rona like, yeah, yeah. like small, small role oh, yeah. but like just the fact that like it, like you know I don't want to ruin anything but it goes from opening with him being like basically the dude that hunts Alan Parrish in Jumanji right. oh, to, to, yes. to, to turning into like his great reconciliation call. later great like, it's, like it's so it's so great another chase lounge yeah <laughs> scene yeah. this is becoming a thing yeah this is becoming a theme um okay so we all we can all agree that Palm Springs Great film. I, it was going to be on my list, but I knocked it off. But it because I just watched it the yeah. other day. But if, like, if I, you, I, I would definitely agree with you guys. If you One haven't seen ones. it, watch it now. It's Hulu. free on Hulu. Yeah. Yep. Also, awesome. I believe the Rodeo Drive-In is still showing it as one of their double features. Ah, so, take a trip out to Belfair. There you go. That'd yeah, be great. yeah, yeah. Pay the non-existent toll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to cross the cool Purdy Bridge. Um. All right. So we are number on three to number three, grand. the grand. Number three for yes. me, um, and this is gonna kind of go off of what Max was talking about earlier. Uh, a thing, a one movie I'd seen once before, and I kind of I bought just because I loved the first one, and then I'd like never really given it a second chance, and I rewatched it, and I ended up loving it again. Was the 2011 The Thing, the prequel? Um, awesome. One of, one of the few re, quote unquote remakes I've seen that knocked it out of the park as much as i i'm with max i love the thing one of my favorite movies of all time and the fact that this movie wasn't a remake like everyone thought it was it was a prequel and sets it up perfectly if you watch the two back to back it is it is incredible they were great mary elizabeth weinstead joel edgerton 
uh, Christopher Helu, who is Tormund Giant's Bane. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, like, it just has, like, and, and also the fact that it was directed and written by Swedish people, so they have a bunch of Swedish and Norwegian actors in there speaking their native tongue, which adds to the best part, or not the best part, but, like, one of my favorite parts of the first one is if you were to translate the beginning of John Carpenter's The Thing, they are yelling, it's not a dog, it's a thing. It's not a dog, it's a thing. So the fact that we see this prequel and half the crew can't speak English, and that they happen to be the ones that survive, I just thought it was great. And they, they can't... Well, because what that does is that within the first, like, two minutes of the prequel, it, it renders the entire original movie... Just, it's just a mind fuck in yeah. your head all of a sudden because you're just like, oh shit, this I I've oh, seen this, I've seen this. You know where it ends, and I know where it ends. Yeah, and wow, I guess it could well, all have been and avoided. I I rewatching it was something I I don't know how. Maybe I did pick it up the first time. The first time I saw it nine years ago, right? But it was the the ice coffin, the ice grave. Um, just seeing that mo that moment where the alien pops out of it, and then you realize. Oh, that's what they find. It was just one of those like they do a great job of putting all the puzzle pieces while still being original, being inspirational from John Carpenter, but being their mm-hmm. own thing. Mm-hmm. Loved it, absolutely loved it. So Max, I I remember you and I we saw this movie in the theater together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and we I remember both liked it. I don't think we liked it enough. I don't I don't think uh, when we first saw it we really understood. Because I think we thought it was a remake. Yeah. Correct. Right? Yeah. We were just like... And then the end scene happens, and Mm -hmm. you realize where you are in the chronological story. But at the same time, still, I think we were still kind of too young, Mm kind of going back to our bios, where it's like, (laughs) this is in just... I was trying to consume everything. I just... Oh, a remake of a movie that I saw that was great? Sure, give it to me. But like what Grant's saying now, when you can appreciate it as what it was trying to do at the time... It's fantastic in its execution. Yeah. Well, and it's also, honestly, I think my overall favorite part is the very, very end, is as the credits are rolling and it's cutting to, directed by so-and-so, written by so-and-so, and it cuts back to the dog running through the snow. Right. right. And it cuts back to the helicopter taking off. And it literally just leads right, right into the to. thing. And right. I remember re-watching it and just being like, well, I guess I'm watching the thing right away. It just popped yep. the next one in. And so... Yep. Something yeah. I, I didn't appreciate before, and being locked in quarantine, I was like, let me give this another shot, and boom. Amazing. Also, I think a, a lot of people probably didn't see it or didn't respond well to it because of its title. Oh, absolutely. Right? The, right. All three of us were like, oh, it's a remake of the original, yeah. not it, knowing it is It's called a prequel. The Thing. They're just two movies that go together, and they're both called The Thing. It's like a four-hour long movie. So, yeah, you know, right. essentially, you could watch it as such, yeah. and, and it works. And it would make a lot yeah. of sense. And, yeah. Uh, Criterion, get on that. Yeah, yeah. right? Give me a four-hour cut. Super cut. Yeah, super cut. Um, okay, so since my number three was also... Palm Springs. Palm Springs. I'm going to kick it to you, Max, for your number two. 1976 film, Network. Ooh. Awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, Talk about it. Reference. I, like. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. 
punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. Super, super happy to finally see this. Uh, I have always heard about Network, directed by Cindy Lumet. Uh, it's got, uh, who also did 12 Angry Men, mm -hmm. Dog Day Afternoon, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, starring uh, William Holden and Peter Finch, who are like two, in the 70s, they were like old screen stars. Um, Peter Finch, uh, uh, plays a news anchor who starts just going crazy on air and then like becomes like this weird religious like clairvoyant prophet, prophet yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, it's also got Faye De uh, Dunaway and Robert Duvall in supporting mm -hmm. roles, which in 1976, that was like almost unheard of to oh, have yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that big a star power, but not in the main roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faye Dunaway coming off of uh, Chinatown. Chinatown. Yeah. Bonnie and Clyde before that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Duvall. Yeah. Godfather. Uh, Apocalypse Now. Um, Robert Duvall. And just a great, like, a very, like, meaty, like, acting movie. You know, oh, almost yeah. everyone was nominated. I think Peter Finch won. I think Faye Dunaway won as well. Yep. Um, so it's a lot of people just yelling at each other uh, in rooms, which I, I really it's appreciate. A, it's a movie for movie's sake. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, uh, under under the surface, it's also like a black like satire like on television and where TV was going in the 70s. And, and even like religious... Like, you know, we've all seen on, I mean, growing up when we were kids, you're flipping channels looking for cartoons and you'll come up to like the weird, like prophet guy on a big stage talking to a huge church. It almost gets to that point right in this movie. Right. So, uh, just really, really, really great film, uh, flies by too. And, and you're just, you're fixated on it. It's Cindy Lumet. It's, well, he's one of the greats. It's a great pick. It's yeah. a great pick. Uh, Grant, your number two? Uh, my number two was, um, it's kind of like a, a little back-to-back. -back. I, I, it started as one, and then it led me to then watch this second one, which the second one is what I want to talk about, but I, I got to lead into it where you had mentioned the second one before, but I watched White, White River, oh. um, which is Taylor Sheridan, who yeah. is one of the best in my opinion, one of the best writers of the last 10 oh, years. Oh, Wind, Wind River. Wind River, excuse Wind me, River. not White River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wind Wind River. Jeremy Renner. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy Renner, yeah. Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Sheridan wrote and directed that one. Yeah. And I love that movie. I'd seen it before. Birth, birth Null. Great Birth Null. Yeah, oh, that oh, dude, that, yeah. that scene he has, yeah. it's, it's, it's oh, heavy. It, he has one of the heaviest oh, scenes. So good. Uh, also, quick note, that transition where someone mm -hmm. goes and knock on the door, mm -hmm. but then it turns into that transition of him opening the door. 
The last the last thirty minutes, thirty five minutes of that movie is yeah, absolutely. So then, love that movie. I had seen it before. I loved Taylor, Taylor Sheridan. So this, how, is, what this he did is your rewatch. This is the one you rewatched. That well, you were I like, saw this that is and then, so good. And then it led me into a movie that I didn't really know about. Oh, and then I shit. watched it, which oh, I mentioned earlier, oh, which was oh. Hell or High Water. And I is this what we're talking about? Yes, we're talking so, about Hell or High Water. So, so Hell or High Water yes. was, was my yes. number two. Awesome! Absolutely love that movie. Ben Foster, Chris Pine, Robin Banks, and and like like in just the deep Texas Kurt desert. Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah, know, or Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, excuse and, me, and, excuse and, me. What I, and yeah, honestly, yeah. it is because, like the story of Ben Foster and Chris Pine and the brothers. Chris Pine having his own demons while also having to deal with his dipshit brother that's over the top and like goes kind of almost ruins their plans most of the time. Oh God! It, Every it, time, great dynamic, great <laughs> great dynamic. Fucking Ben Foster. I I I will be honest. In every role he's in. I I got super I got super emotional and choked up and, and it's because of Jeff Bridges' scene in that in that final shot and I don't spoiler alert for people who haven't seen it. But final, final, the, the, final the, shot. The, the shot where Jeff Bridges kills the guy after his partner has been killed, mm-hmm. and he just does the "That's what I'm talking about," and then immediately everything sets in, and he just breaks down. It was one of the most real things I have seen when it comes to a movie like that. There's too many times where movies like this can then convolute the emotional toll of what it takes to do what either side has to do, whether you're on the right or wrong side of the law. And I loved Jeff Bridges being the character he was throughout, of kind of being like, you know, this is just what we do. This is what we do. And then at the end, it's just like shoved in his face. He sees his partner die next to him, but that he still, like, it, it doesn't, he doesn't skip a beat. He right, sees it happen, right, right, and he right. still knows. He still has to finish this. Process. And then it's the second he does, it just floods back to him. And then all I'll say, I love Jeff Bridges. One of my top ten actors, hands down. The dude. At that moment, I was just like, how he didn't get nominated, just for that moment, for an Oscar, was like beyond me. Just because it was just so real, so raw. And then the movie itself, like, there's just so many cool aspects. I thought it was a little tiny thing. I thought it was really cool. After the first couple of banks, they drive their car and have an excavator, and they just bury the car. Yes. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's brilliant. Like, there's, <laughs> right. just, there's just, Taylor Sheridan has such a good job in, in what he calls his neo-Western trilogy, Sicario, yep. uh, Wind River, and then Hell or High yep. Water, yep. of just cool things. He's He's got a cool one on the net, uh, Netflix called Hold the Dark as well. It's, okay, it, it does. I it even does, heard of this. I don't know that one it, it came out a couple years ago. It's it's not on the same level, but it it, but it holds a candle. Yeah, it holds I, a candle. I, I for, I, Hold I, the dark. I forgot to look up his history, but I know Taylor Sheridan has a history in law enforcement, so he has that insight. Yes, he has that. There's always a very strong law yeah, enforcement and, and, character. And yeah. there's another like I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with movies, but there's when writers have that 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 experience on the outside. One of my favorite comic book writers, Tom King, was a former CIA analyst. So what he brings to his writing, what Taylor Sheridan brings to his... It's another level of it, credibility. It, it, exactly. And so it's it's a... I, I just respect that immensely where you can just take your experiences and be like, let me put that on the screen for everyone yes. to see. So yes. like, I have a feeling like Taylor Sheridan probably had a moment like that. Oh. Where he had everything rushed I'm back sure. to him and yeah. just broke down. And uh, it was super moving. I just... I loved the movie. It wasn't. 
I, I didn't love it as much as I love Sicario or, or Wind River. Mm-hmm. But as I was going, once I got to that part, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, Hell or High Water was my, my number two. Nice. That's awesome. That's great. Um. Okay, so this brings me to my number two. Um, and this is a film by a director that I dearly love, have loved for... Years and years and years, decades upon decades, not to date myself or anything like that, but honestly, this is somebody, and this is not like a clout grab or anything like that, but I love me some Spike Lee. What I'm not going to do, though, right now is talk about Defy Bloods, (laughs) even though that's a movie that was released right now during quarantine and that everybody should go out and watch. It's fantastic. But a movie that is available on Netflix, at least when I watched it, um... It's called Inside Man. Now, I need everybody to take your cell phones and your keys out of your pockets and handbags and hold them in the air. What's your name? Peter. Peter what? Peter Hammond. Where's your cell phone, Peter Hammond? I left it at home. Peter, think very carefully about how you answer the next question, because if you get it wrong, your headstone will read, here lies Peter Hammond, hero, who valiantly attempted to prevent a brilliant bank robbery by trying to hide his cellular phone but wound up getting shot in the fucking head. Now, Peter Hammond, where's your cell phone? I'm telling you I did. I left, I left it at home. It's from 2006. Okay. Yes. Stars, stars Denzel Washington, Clive Owen, Jodie Foster, Willem Dafoe, Christopher Plummer. It, it, it runs long. It's a two-hour-plus movie. But it's a fantastic, just incredible uh, demonstration of what Spike Lee can do with a movie that he has not written. And so he only directs this film, mm-hmm. and yes. it's set in New York. It's Is it a, the only one he's never, he hasn't it, written? He, there's about four or five of okay. them that he hasn't. Um, but this is a bank robbery uh, yeah. film, it's, so it's a heist film. It's a New York film. It's everything that just, it's right up his alley. There's a strong black male character, Mm -hmm. which he cast Denzel in perfectly. I believe this is their fourth time working together, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which I I think I wrote a note. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, fourth time. It's it's just a fantastic kind of marriage between an actor and director where you never feel like, the director is asking too much from the actor and the actor is never giving too much to the director because when I watch this movie and now this is kind of my like cheat cheat code movie where I do remember seeing this like from Hollywood video sure. kind of to reference what we were saying probably one time maybe one time like halfway my parents let me watch like half of it I fell asleep went to bed or whatever blah 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 Rewatching it it's on HBO Max uh, rewatching it, I just thought, "Holy shit, this movie's so good, so good." 
I am a sucker for non-linear timelines, and that movie just uh, like I mean, obviously Christopher Nolan does it in every single movie sure, he does. Correct. But yeah, this yeah. movie like nails it on the head. The switching back from the interviews to the point of view of what it's actually awesome. happens mm-hmm. is fantastic. So good. It's so good. Clive Owen is silky oh, smooth. Oh, absolutely. So that's some, that's something that I wrote down. Where this is Clive Owen is one of my first like anti-heroes. Yeah. That I so ever good. that I ever rooted for. Yeah. Where when I look back at this movie, I just think. I really want you to get away with this. <laughs> yeah. Because, A, you've done nothing wrong. Because, you know, the bank robbers in this movie are stand-up human beings. They're they're great. They don't hurt anybody. They You know, everything's great. Um, you're charming. You're Clive Owen. Like, the Clive Owen in 2006 was, like, Children of Men. Right. Closer, like you were kind of like them up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Things where you were just like, I'm rooting for you, Clive Owen. Like yeah. you only you, his window was very, it was acute. He, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he had like three years. King Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. King yeah, Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was rooting for you, uh, and so yeah, I, I wrote that down. And then also, there's there's an all time Spike Lee callback in this movie. It's a New York film that he did not write, and yet the bank robbers ask for pizza to be delivered, and pizza gets delivered to the bank that they're holding up, and it's from Sal's Pizzeria. Oh, <laughs> and if any, okay, you two are like, if anybody knows, Sal's Pizzeria in a Spike Lee movie is a direct callback to Do the Right Thing, and so I just, the moment I saw that, I was just. Sold. I'm sold. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Absolutely. It's a shame it's not number one. (laughs) So I'm going to kick it to Max. Number one. This movie's on Amazon Prime right now uh, to go watch. It's an Amazon original. It's called The Vast of Night. Please, sorry for the wait. Number, please. Okay, I'll connect you. Um, I'm not sure. No, you're the first one to... Yes, we'll let them know. Thank you. Number, please. Yes, we're notifying Highway Patrol. Uh, we'll relay any news to you. Thank you, thank you. Number, please. Sorry for the wait. All right, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, goodbye. People are saying there's something in the sky. Wow. Hey, never heard of it. I know nothing about this. Directed by Andrew uh, Patterson. Uh, this is great. Indie film, sci-fi. Uh, super cliche to say this. It's got Spielberg and Kubrick vibes to it. Just with uh, some of the shots that he's able to do. Uh, it's centered in this like uh, Midwest town. The whole town is at a basketball game, and then there's two other. There's two kids who aren't there. And they go on this, like, one-night adventure because something's happening in the sky. I don't want to say anymore, um, but it is written really smart. It's very quick. Uh, there's a lot of jive talk in it, so it's very, like, um, it's uh, very easy to, to just get honed in. Uh, there is a tracking shot in it that I think about. Uh, maybe once a week uh, that is just very Spielberg and like just how he moves the camera 
Um, just an awesome, awesome movie, and it's a small film, and and everyone should check it out because it's. I think it's a, it's a director who finally got his shot, and hopefully he's just gonna keep doing these small indie films. You know, like I, who who would you compare him to? Like you know, after after their first or second. Uh, so I, I feel like. I felt the same way about uh, someone like uh, Josh Trank after Chronicle. Okay. But then okay. Josh Trank got you know picked out to do Fantastic Four and then a Star Wars movie. Right. right. So I hope Andrew Patterson just like and the studio movies. just murdered his yeah. vision for those yeah, two and movies. Yeah. Also, he was kind of a psychopath <laughs> anyway. But hopefully Andrew Patterson isn't like that, and he'll just keep doing these small original. He wrote this. Um, it's set in the nineteen uh, fifties too. That's another part of the setting. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's smartly written. The shots are great. I, I haven't had an experience, even though, you know, I've, I watch movies all the time, but like this one really had me like zoned in. Like I had all the lights off. I'm, I, you know, the phone is, is turned Dan off. Didn't look at it. Yeah. It did pick it up once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Very, very zoned in on this movie. Great. Okay, good. Um, good, good, good. Yeah, go watch it because it, uh, it was very, very impressive and awesome. it came, I think they it came out in some like a couple uh, festivals last year but uh, officially it's 2020 release okay uh, Amazon bought it right away I think from Tribeca Film Fest okay um, and not only is it my favorite thing I've watched in quarantine it's my favorite thing of 2020 2020 yeah okay wow awesome yeah. nice there we go so there we go go watch it Amazon Prime The Vast of Night The Vast it's on my watch list yeah. Grant Colombini. All right. Number one for me during quarantine, uh, something I briefly talked to you guys about um, before was a movie called Midnight Special. Are you okay? We'll be there soon. Why are you wearing those goggles, huh? Stop! Stop! <laughs> He's with me. He's my son. Yeah, well, you ought to watch your kid. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. You doing okay? You cannot leave the band. You hear me? I'm sorry. It's okay. I shouldn't have left you. Oh. I'm sorry. Directed, written and directed by Jeff Nichols, who did uh, Mud. And, yes. Uh, oh, what else did he do? There's some some other big one. Uh, Take Shelter, which is uh, stars a fantastic film with all, with Michael Shannon, Shannon who yeah, yeah, yeah. stars in Midnight yeah. Special. Jessica Chastain, too, I believe. In Take Shelter, yes. Take Shelter. Uh, Kirsten yeah. Dunst in Midnight Special. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, br- Midnight Special, brilliant movie about a young boy who has these powers. And there's this cult that follows him, and they think that he is like the second coming, the next Messiah. And they he speaks in these numbers that bring in dates, and there's this judgment day happening. Michael Shannon plays his father that tries to save him and like take him away from these guys. 
And just the way it's filmed, the way it starts, the aesthetic behind it is just insanely captivating. I mean, for obviously, cult phenomenons are like fascinating to people. It's why like we watch the documentaries we watch. It's why there's shows made after like Waco and you know like the Rajneesh and all this stuff. And so watching this, it, it hits that point. But then also, as you guys will find out in this podcast, I am definitely affiliated towards I love superhero movies and I love comic book that kind of thing the and lore the lore yeah. I, I, I love I love the um, the bringing that to the real world and this does it better than most it has just an awesome father son dynamic especially a father and son that have had disconnect it is with the cult the son has been adopted by the leader of the cult so the biological father hasn't been his father for a while so him being the one to take him away and seeing their relationship grow throughout it is just insanely moving finding the mom down the line that still has like you know and also it's this kid it's supposed to be like he has these weird power like there's just there's great things about this movie that hit on both heads of suspense thriller action comic book while also being like an oscar worthy movie i i it's been nominated for some i forget what it actually was but michael shannon is one of my favorite actors and he knocks it out of the park in this of being that i'm putting everything about myself aside to be a father to this son and yeah. get like protect him i'll go i'll go all in on michael shannon yeah at this point yeah. yeah no he is he's just unreal joel edgerton has a great role of just a dude that's just like, yeah, I'm in. You, you tell <laughs> yeah. me what to do? Oh, it yeah. means I'm protecting an eight-year-old kid? Yeah. No problem. I read the script and I'm in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is uh, It is an insanely well-made movie. The ending, it just makes you feel good while <laughs> the whole movie makes you feel bad. Like crap. Yeah, yeah. like it's just it, like the turnaround of it. It was like how you just said in, in uh, The Bass of Night. I did not pick up my phone once once yeah. i once i hit play i was zoned in which is very rare in it's hard world. to do these, it's very these hard days. to watch a movie and not if you're not in like, a theater and yeah. no no one's in a theater no I, yeah exactly <laughs> um so this was one of the movies i watched by myself i had always seen it i'd always seen the cast list and it was always just one of those of like oh it's not a Marvel movie. It's not a DC movie, but it's a superhero. Oh, I'm not going to watch it. And then I watched it. I'm like, holy crap. This is amazing. This means a lot. Um, yeah. it, literally every single person down to the small roles knocks it out of the park. It is so well written, emotionally driven. I, I cannot recommend this highly enough. I love Midnight Special. Definitely the best movie I've watched in, during lockdown. Nice. All right. Well, the best movie that I watched during lockdown is uh, a film called The Virgin Spring. Du får följa med till kyrkan Ingrid, bara lovat. Jag sätter fart på pokarna då. Annars kommer ni inte till kyrkan för en kväll. Jag skyndar det då Ingrid. The Virgin Spring. This film came out in Set Your Clocks Back 1960. Ooh. It okay. is direct. It is directed by the famed Ingmar Bergman. Yes. Ooh. Yep. Uh, so of course it stars Max, Max von <laughs> Yep. Of course. Uh, this film comes in at a perfect eighty-nine minutes. 
Uh, it won the Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards in 1961. Of course, it came out in 1960, so it went to 1961. Um, it's inspired by... Uh, a, a, and now, I need to see this. I, I don't want to make myself out to be a, a complete cinephile who has just like scoured the right. uh, earth for everything important or whatever, but it's inspired by um, Akira Kurosawa's uh, Rashomon. Yes. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Yes, you did. Rashomon. And, uh, Akira and, Kurosawa is something I will be diving in heavily in this podcast. Okay, okay. Because I love his movies. Okay. So, yes. So, it's basically just like the truest and tritest revenge tale that uh you can you, yeah. that you can create uh so it, it it's a story that comes from medieval folk folklore basically and so um our, our guy ingmar he had the uh fortuitous nature of being from sweden where this you know kind of medieval lore it was swedish it was scottish it was you know you didn't really know where it came from but basically, it was a folklore about a young virgin who is asked to deliver certain goods to a church. And along the way, she gets interrupted in her conquest. And that interruption is very uh, vile and explicit in nature. And she doesn't really survive it. Mm. This goes on to become the basis for uh, Wes Craven's Last House. I was ju- I was w- I was waiting to see if you would yep. say it. Yeah. La- Last House on the Left, to where it's basically just a fallen maiden, you know, scratches and claws her way back to her family sanctuary, and then it's up to her family to seek vengeance, which is exactly what this movie does. It is uh, part of the Criterion Collection, which is how I stumbled upon it. I finally pulled the trigger on it, which is something I've been meaning to do for a long time because I knew, being a fan of Wes Craven, that like Last House, Last House on the Left did not come from Last House on the Left. Right. It's just such a good idea. It's just the best idea for a film, where it's just like a family loses their daughter, who's kind of the prized possession of the town. And her defilers, like the the anti-suitors, come back to the house, and they have the opportunity to seek vengeance on them. And so it's just it's awesome. Um, everything about this in 1960 makes so much sense to me. The costumes, the cinematography, the symbolism, everything is just way ahead of its time. Like I said, it won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film. It was also nominated for costume. Could have won for costume. If it was in uh, color, I think it would have. There's just, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of talk about the devil, about good, about evil. And this is a Swedish film that, you know, was remade into an American film in the 70s when people weren't ready for films like that in the 70s. So it just makes me kind of wonder, like, where could we be if we were in an era, or at least in a, I don't want to say in a country because I love our country. We are very forward thinking, but at least in an era that was already thinking about these things in 1960. Right. 
you know, where it's just like, wow, yeah, okay. We're, we're just talking about, and I don't want to like say a insensitive word, but just like rape. Rape is a concept in film in 1960 well, in Sweden. Well, it goes back to me talking about Wind River. Like that, is, that, yeah. that whole scene is a, such a, a central part of it. And there's a lot of people that don't still like, want to see that. They don't want to see it in the yeah. film. And then there's people that are like, like uh, Ingmar Bergman and Taylor Sheridan that are like, but it happens and it's, it happens. It happens. Yeah. So it, we need to show it in kind of a, not for a lack of a better term, and a better light of a term of there, there a way is that you can beyond it. Not not that you can understand it, but that right. you can validate. You can validate. That, that's the what I was looking that for. This happens, and then yes, there are repercussions, and the repercussions for the most part are terrible. So don't fucking do this. And they should be, and they should be because yeah. this is a terrible thing. Yes, but at the same time, like what we're saying. Whether it's in Eyes Wide Shut and it's a little bit more, you know, masked. Not, <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. Not to uh, toy with words, but, you know, like, it needs to be discussed. This, These are pressing issues. Ign- ignoring it does nothing for the conversation. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And, and going back as far as 1960. So, 1960, yeah. I watched this for the first time, being a huge Wes Craven fan, a Last House on the Less. Uh, Last House on the Left fan, which is his first feature film. Mm-hmm. I just think that for 50 years now, American and international audiences has, have been obsessed with the same subject matter. And I just, watching this movie, opened my eyes to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even even to current day with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a huge, like another well, um, thing to throw in the conversation. And, but no, yeah, the whole, like, uh, I spit on your grave, oh, everything yeah. like that, just the oh, female oh, seeking, yeah. you know, even, you know, like... Heck, not, leave, leaving Las Vegas as... as there you go. The, as just the whole revenge, the revenge narrative as a horror film, revenge is a very poignant topic and i think it will always be yeah and so in horror films it makes sense um that was the inaugural episode of excuse the intermission um coming up we are going to have a lot more content for you guys in next week's episode we're gonna deviate slightly from what we talked about tonight and go into our top five movies that deal with isolation so yeah. not something we've been dealing yeah, with. Yeah, it kind of goes with the theme of, hey, yeah. we're in lockdown. Yeah. Yes. But movies of, that, yeah, deal with isolation. Some, yes. we, some we may have already touched a little base on this episode. Definitely. We'll, we will try not to double back, yeah. and we will try to uh, keep things fresh for you guys. But in the meantime, uh, we hope that you guys are staying safe, that you're listening to the guidelines that are implemented for wear you. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Keep watching movies. Do your Watch best. Movies. Watch some movies. Pay your pay your subscription fees, <laughs> and we will. You will hear us next time. Absolutely. Stay swell and give them hell. Cheers, guys.